Let's come together in a time of prayer. Heavenly Father, as, uh, as angels shouted and, and sang, dear Lord, we first want to come before you uh, in worship and simply say how great you are, uh, how wonderful you are. Uh, we take so many of your blessings for granted, the, the blessing of family, the blessing of church family, most of all the blessing that we have salvation in Jesus Christ. Let us know that more this season. Let us share that more this season with our words, with our actions, with our love, the love of Christ. It's in his name we pray. Amen. Before we get started this morning, I have a special person to call up who's going to share a brief testimony. It's Jenny again. Come on, Jenny. And um, use this mic for you. She is going to share, like many of you, she had an experience in, uh, in sharing through an act of love. And, uh, well, that's all I need to say, so you go ahead. Good morning. Um, this past week, uh, some good friends of mine from our Bellwether family and I had the opportunity to go out to dinner. And one of the girls who seems to reach out so freely with such ease to others... Um, just simply asked the gentleman who was waiting our table. Uh, she told him that we would be praying before dinner, and was there anything at all that he had going on in his life that he would like for us to pray about? And he was stood there a minute and kind of taken back, and he said, well, actually, yes, my father has cancer, and he's being treated at the VA right now. And um, he just went on to tell us that, the doctors couldn't believe that he was still alive because the cancer had affected seven of his organs. And anyway, he just seemed very burdened but very appreciative that we were asking to pray for him. And during the conversation, he went on to tell us that his mom had moved in with him and later told us that this past January he had lost his fiance suddenly. And um, it, you could just tell his heart was just hurting. And he once again thanked us for praying for him. And so after our meal, he came back by to check on us and said, I just really appreciate this. I really appreciate you praying for my family. And he was like, you know, I've always thought of myself as an atheist. And when my fiance died, I thought of myself more as maybe an agnostic because I thought there has to be something more. And so now maybe I'm just going to climb up the ladder a little bit. So anyhow, it was just a really wonderful experience, and God really um, blessed us with that opportunity, and I think we were all just thankful that we didn't miss out on it. Thank you, Jenny. Thank you. I'll show her some love. Thank you for sharing that, uh, that testimony, and uh, we may do more of that because I think there, there are countless stories of just small, simple ways that people share uh, the light and the love of Christ. And, uh, you know, you hear me up here talking every week, but, but I love having folks share who, uh, you know, it may be a new experience for them that they can, they can touch a life. Um, as uh, last night, my, one of my favorite movies uh, was on TV. It's on several times this holiday season, but uh, It's a Wonderful Life. And uh, I know some of y'all love It's a Wonderful Life. It is timeless. Uh, it is a classic but uh, there's a scene, and I actually thought about showing it, but it, it just didn't really, really fit. But there's a scene with, with Clarence, the angel, you know, who's come down, and George Bailey 
in the moment when George, you know, is, uh, has given the gift of seeing what his life would be like uh, if he never existed. And uh, Clarence tells George, he says, none of us realize how many lives our life touches. And uh, such a, to me, that's such a poignant statement. Uh, and we don't realize it. And we don't realize how many people we, we can randomly come in contact with, that we can randomly touch, that we can randomly love on, how many people God puts in our path, how many connections we truly have uh, in this life, in this world, where we can make uh, a difference uh, eternally for Christ. We don't realize it. But the good thing about this, uh, this time, this season, this campaign that we're doing, at least a good thing for me, it's making me realize how many opportunities I have. I mean, and, and I'll be honest, and, and I'm, a, you know, I'm a pastor, I'm like you know, the professional Christian, that uh, I, don't, I take that for granted. How many opportunities I have to invite someone to church? How many opportunities I have to say, hey, is there anything I can pray for you about? Whether it be a waiter or someone you just bump into or anyone in your life. And so one of the things I think that holds us back from shining the light of Christ or being, you know, a good Christian or being, you know, just sharing is that we, we don't realize it. We don't realize how many lives that we actually touch and how many opportunities that we have to, um, to love on folks, to pray for them. So I hope for you, I mean, I have a selfish motive in this, and one of them is, is that I hope for you, you are realizing how much of an impact your life, your very life, can have on other people for eternity and for the present. Because people need prayer, and people need love, and people need a church home, whether it's Bellwether or somewhere else. And man, that's what we are to provide. Some of you have said, man, I, I don't know what to say. I mean, you know, I've gotten emails or talked to folks this week. It's like, you know, I just... You know, I know I should, and then I kind of, I kind of freeze up. And you know, I think, um, I think my wife does a lot of great things. I know I, I applaud her a lot up here, but I think she says it best. I've heard her all week, and uh, she'll bump into folks. We were out Friday night, and she said, she said, our church wants no one to feel lonely this Christmas. Is there anything that we can pray for you about? So you don't know what to say. Let me repeat that again, very slowly. Our church wants to make sure that no one is lonely. Is there anything that we can pray for you for? Is that pretty clear? Remember that? I mean, very simple ways. And it touches lives. I mean, you see people, they're like, oh, wow. Yeah. And they'll, they'll say, hey, yeah, somebody in my family has cancer. Yeah, I'm dealing with the loss of so-and-so. Yeah, I'm going through a divorce. Yeah, you know, countless things. So... There are so many opportunities. And when we realize that, man, that, that, that frees us up. Now, today I want to focus on something else, though, because once we realize that, sometimes we still don't share. I mean, we still don't share, hey, can I pray for you? We still don't share an invitation. We don't, still don't share the love of Christ. And so I want to get down to why we don't share. And if I had to really just bottom line it, I mean, to be like honest, brutally honest, and this is for me, too, it's a lack of courage. I mean, that sounds harsh, but if we get down to it, and if we're honest with ourselves, it is, it is so true that we have, we possess a lack of courage. Courage is a big word that's thrown out a lot, and uh, we admonish it, and a lot of us like to think that we're like, you know, courageous folks, that we have courage. 
But I really think, you know, if, again, if all of us are honest, sometimes we're in those moments and we lack a sense of courage, a courage for Christ, a courage of faith. And I want us all to have it. I want to have it more. I want you to have it more. And so today I want to talk about why we don't, some specific ways, and also why we can share. And looking at a specific man, a man who is underestimated, a man who doesn't get as much attention as he should during this time of year, it is Joseph. We focus on Mary a lot, but Joseph, the man who raised Jesus, a very courageous man who took tremendous steps of faith, who made tremendous sacrifices to take care of Mary and to raise Jesus. And I think looking at his life, we can take courage from it. So if you've got your Bibles, we're going to look at a passage in the Christmas story. It is uh, Matthew 1. Matthew 1, and I'm going to read uh, verse 18 through 25 to start off. Again, looking at Joseph, uh, a man of great courage. Matthew 1, beginning with verse 18. Now, the birth of Jesus Christ was as follows. When his mother Mary had been betrothed to Joseph, before they came together, she was found to be with child by the Holy Spirit. And Joseph, her husband, being a righteous man and not wanting to disgrace her, planned to send her away secretly. But when he had considered this, behold, an angel of the Lord appeared to him in a dream, saying, Joseph, son of David, do not be afraid to take Mary as your wife. For the child who has been conceived in her is of the Holy Spirit. She will bear a son, and you shall call his name Jesus, for he will save his people from their sins. Now all this took place to fulfill what was spoken by the Lord through the prophet. Behold, the virgin shall be with child, and shall bear a son, and they shall call his name Emmanuel, which translated means God with us. And Joseph awoke from his sleep, And did as the angel of the Lord commanded him, and took Mary and his wife. But kept her a virgin until she gave birth to a son, and he called his name Jesus. So, why don't we share? A couple reasons. The first one, a big one, is fear. Fear. We are afraid. Joseph experienced fear. I mean... Try to help you imagine the fear that he might have experienced. I mean, he is he's in this small town. And a uh, young man, probably trying to make his way in the world. Probably trying to build a business. And, you know, falls in love with this, with this girl. This very young girl. And all of a sudden, she turns up pregnant. I mean, imagine what Joseph is thinking. I mean, he may begin to be, you know, like blackballed from this small town. I mean, people are probably going to be gossiping about him. People are going to say, man, you know... This girl that you're supposed to marry, uh, she got pregnant. And, um, you know, I don't think it's with you. So, I mean, imagine how he is feeling. He's probably going to lose business. You know, I don't, he may be building his carpentry business. And, you know, people may say, you know, sorry. I mean, they may be cast out. There's a lot of fear going on. What about for us? For us in, in sharing our faith. Well, I always say that the biggest fears are like the three C's. There's three C's for us. One is the coolness factor. And it's just, it's simply like uncool. You know what I'm saying? I mean, like, it can get into my mind, and maybe it does some of y'all, like, to think about sharing about Jesus. That can seem like, it can just seem like uncool to the world that we live in. Another C is the culture 
we live in is very politically correct. You know, kind of everybody on equal plane, hey, don't go into religion because, you know, that, that's invading somebody else's space and you shouldn't do that and you should respect that. So one is the message the culture sends us that, um, that we're afraid to break through that. And the other is just the sea of conflict, that we know those can be sensitive issues about, hey, salvation, about, hey, you know, does someone believe in Jesus? Does someone have faith? And it can provoke conflict. And so we're fearful of those. I mean, I am. You know, the coolness factor, the cultural factor, and the conflict factor. But we do not have to be afraid. I mean, going back, Matthew 1, 20. The angel says to Joseph, Do not be afraid to take Mary as your wife, for the child who has been conceived in her is of the Holy Spirit. Very clearly, do not be afraid. Very clearly to us, do not be afraid. We have nothing to fear. Let me give you two stories, two that show fear in me. Two times I've been fearful to, to share my faith. One was about uh, well, over 10 years ago, 12 years ago. And a guy, I, I just, uh, dude, one of my best friends, I mean, love this guy. Uh, you know, we were buds, went out a lot. And let's say this, I mean, I had faith in Jesus. I think, you know, I say I think. I was not growing in my faith, but I'd been raised. I mean, I knew I had salvation, but it was, uh, it was minimal at, at best, okay? But this guy was, um, I mean, he, probably not a Christian, okay? I mean, at best, you know, he attended uh, Christmas and Easter because he had to, you know, with family. But really had some big questions. Pretty much leaned in, hey, all faiths are equal. And, you know, if you live a good life, you're going to heaven. And so all of those three factors I talked about really hit me. I mean, one, if I brought up faith to him, I I knew it was going to be kind of like uncool. If I brought up faith to him, I knew it would be against what he believed in that, hey, all religions are equal. And I knew it would bring conflict into our friendship. So I never did. I mean, I never really shared. I never really said, hey, you know, this is, this is what I'm basing my life on. Even though, again, I wasn't going to church, even though I was very um, new in my faith. But I, I never took that, that step. And, and I regretted it because then I, I moved and we lost touch. And uh, he's still, honestly, in pretty much the same place. But now, get this, now I've stayed in contact with him. My wife and I visit his family, and we find opportunities to share in very simple ways. We were, we were visiting with him uh, a little over a year ago. And I was telling him about the church, showing him our website, and also telling him some, some like, Christian stories of, of love and of service and of how we're active in mission. And you could see, man, God was, like, working on him. And, you know, our friendship has remained constant, and God, since then, has opened doors. Now, though, I'm, I'm very different. I mean, now, if I start a relationship, I'm very, uh, even more sensitive to seeing, hey, God's opened a door, and I need to share more explicitly my faith. I'll give you a story just this week. I was uh, with a guy who I've grown to be friends with. I know he's far from God. And God has opened a door in terms of a relationship where I feel like I can speak into his life. And I just, I told him, man, I I love you, but there is a void in your life. And he even admits so. There's this void in your life. 
And the thing is, this guy's tried to fill it with like everything, with success and with knowledge and with just living a good life, and he still has this void. I said, the only thing that's going to fill it and give you peace is Jesus Christ. I said, man, I say that in all love and in all grace. And honestly, I mean, he wasn't receptive at that time. But God had built a bridge, and God gave an opportunity, and I was more aware of that opportunity that, you know, really we don't have anything to fear. And again, that is not like hitting somebody on the head of the Bible. It's simply reaching out in love and trying to share Christ. Do not be afraid, the angel said. Do not be afraid, God says to us today. Another reason we don't share, another big reason, maybe the biggest reason we don't share, is guilt. Guilt. Think about how Joseph might have felt it. Hey, an angel has come to see me and... You know, I mean, Joseph probably didn't have the most holiest of lives. I mean, we're all sinful, broken creatures. Like, you know, why me? You know, I'm this simple, humble guy, you know, trying to be a carpenter, and and you want me to do this? And there's these feelings of inadequacy and feelings of guilt that could overcome him. And those same feelings happen to us. And I always look at it, there's two big guilty feelings that could come over a person. The first is they'll say, you know, hey, I am not a professional Christian. You know, I mean, I'm not a pastor. I'm not looking to go into the mission field. I'm not, you know, even working for a church. I'm not even serving for a church. So I got some, I I can't do that. That's, That's not me. That's one. The second one, and usually the biggest, it's not me because this is the way I live. I mean, man, I boozed it up and sauced it up and, you know, did all that. I, that's just not me. Or, you know, I had this affair or I had multiple affairs. I mean, this is not me. Or I have, you know, this addiction or that addiction. Or, you know, I've been greedy and crooked in business and this is not me. And the guilt just comes up over and over and over again. You look to a verse in this passage. Verse 21. You will call his name Jesus, for he will save his people from their sins. He will save his people from their sins. We need to hear that again. He will save his people from their sins. Another verse I love, I just came across this week, is Micah, one of the minor prophets. Micah 17, 9, he says, God will cast their sin into the depths of the sea. I love that. He will cast your sin into the depths of the sea. You know how deep the sea is. And that's where that life is going. That life, that guilt. That's where you can put it. That's where God has put it. William Faulkner, a great writer, admonished all over the world from Mississippi. He had this saying. He said, uh, the past is not dead. It's not even past. As in like the past, your past, our past is, is not gone. We live with it. And uh, with all due respect, uh, Mr. Faulkner, I, I could not disagree more. Because the Christian faith, the message of Christ is... The past is, is gone, is dead. It is in the depths of the sea, and there is new life. You see, the devil wants to use your past and use your sin and use your guilt to hold you back. But you know what God wants to do? God wants to use that same sin to move his kingdom forward. Let me say that again. The devil wants to use your sin to hold you back. God wants to use your sin to move his kingdom forward. Here's what I'm talking about. Talk about stories. I've said this before, I'll say it again. Each of you has a story. 
that past that you feel guilty from, that sin that you feel guilty from. That is your story. And God will use your story, the beauty of grace, the beauty of the gospel, that God can use that to minister and speak to someone else's life. Someone has an affair and they've had breakthrough in it, God will use that to minister and disciple someone else. God has an, someone has an addiction, alcohol, drugs, sex, porn. We want to get breakthrough in that. They have a new life. Their past and sin is buried at the depths of the sea. God will use that for someone else struggling with that addiction to move his kingdom forward. Amen? Amen. All of you have a story. And some of you say, man, I can't do that because I've done this. No, what I say is, you can do this because you've done that. You see what I'm saying? And that's what I love about the Christian faith is, yes, it is dead, but God can use our brokenness to bring healing to other people, to expand his kingdom. Third reason why we don't, big reason why we don't, is loneliness. Loneliness, feeling alone, feeling like we're just out there on our own. I mean, imagine Joseph. Joseph is, you know, he's there, he's seeing the angel, he's seeing what he has to do, and he's saying, man, I'm going to be ostracized by this. Man, if I, if I take her, it's going to, you know, have no future. You know, people are going to shun me. I'm going to be alone. And for us, I mean, that's how we can feel. I mean, sharing our faith. We can say, man, I, you know, I'm, I'm here by myself. I don't have anybody to support me. I don't have someone to say, you know, man, you can do it. I don't have someone beside me. I, you know, you feel alone. Or if there's that conflict that I was talking about, then you may be shunned. Or you may have a relationship breakdown. And you're going to be lonely. Why we can? Look at this verse. Verse 23, it says, the, Behold, the virgin shall be with child and shall bear a son, and they shall call his name Emmanuel, which translated means God with us. Say it again, Emmanuel. We sing that over Christmas. That's what we believe. Emmanuel, Christ, translated means God with us. Translated means you are not alone. We are not alone. Ever, ever, ever. If Jesus is in our life. We fear loneliness. We think we're alone. We are not. One way we're not alone is that we can have a church family. I mean, right here, we want all of you to feel a part of Jesus' family. We want you to feel a part of the Bellwether family, which is part of the family of Christ. This is a family. We want to, we want to be there for you. And we want no one to feel alone. Second reason alone is that relationship with Christ, that Christ is here. Christ is living in your life. You are never alone when you have Jesus. You are never alone when you have Jesus. Let me say that again. You are never alone when you have Jesus. And the third thing, and listen, this is what we miss out on so much of. When you share your faith in an act of love, an invitation, a prayer, there is a God who is not only working through you, he's also coming behind you, like when we leave, and will continue working. You plant the seed, God brings the growth. Let me tell you a story that just, I think, so illustrates this. I, I wish I could claim it as my own. I can't. Another pastor did. His name is uh, Bill Hybels. Uh, some of you know of him. He pastors this uh, tremendous, uh, great church in Chicago. Uh, the church reached, you know, in the thousands over the years for Christ and raised people up and sent them out. Bill Hybels told this story about how God can work behind you and having faith that you're, you're never alone when you witness or share. 
He said he was at this conference. It was in downtown Chicago. and um, So it ended for the day, and he just had some time. So he went into some lounge area, or it was at a hotel, or, you know, it was um, just some type of lounge area. Uh, maybe it was a hotel bar, or I don't know where it was. But he, So he was in there, and he says he was by himself, and he was... Um, he was just reading through the paper before he was going to take a cab and, and head out to the suburb of Chicago. And uh, he noticed a couple sitting uh, at a table next to him. And he assumed they were, you know, a married couple. And um, then they invited him to join them. And he was like, sure, I have nothing else to do. Well, then he, he came to find out that they weren't married. Then he came to find out that not only were they not married, they weren't even heterosexual. They were uh, a man and a woman, both homosexual. And uh, so he was here, and he was like, okay, well, you know, let me visit. And he said, he said see if God opens up a door. And uh, they said, well, you know, why are you here? And he said, well, I was at this conference, this, this Christian conference. He said he never told him he was a pastor. He held up on that, didn't tell him he was a pastor. And so, oh, you're at this Christian conference. And so that brought up the, uh, that they weren't Christian. And uh, the guy said that not only was he not a Christian, but that he, um, you know, the only thing that he really knew of Christianity is what he saw in his father who sent him a birthday card every year that told him how disappointed he was because he was not living up to the standards of Christ. And so here is the pastor, you know, Bill Hybels, I mean, leads this church in the thousands, and he says, you know, I'm, I'm so sorry. Uh, that is, that's not the Christianity I know. Uh, that's not the Christ I know. And so he went in to say, you know, my Christ is, is love, and I hope either that at some point you will know that and you will feel that, and that he loves you and wants a, a relationship with you. And so they, that opened the door, and they talked more, some about Christianity, but then he said just about life and the world in general, and said he never shared that he was a pastor. And he said he had a great time for about an hour sitting there visiting with him, and then he said, well, have to go and... Uh, exchanged, you know, pleasantries and said goodbye, had a really good time and got a cab and started headed for home. And he said, then, sitting in the, uh, in the cab, she was driving out or riding out, and he said, you know, there were like two sides. It was like a little angel, a little devil, he thought, but it really wasn't a devil, but two sides talking to him, whispering to him. And one side said, uh, said you know, Bill, man, you failed. I mean, you just, you had an opportunity there. You didn't even tell him you were a pastor. You didn't share the truth of the gospel. You didn't share what the Bible says about homosexuality. You failed. The other side said, Bill, you opened the door. Bill, you brought them a little closer to knowing the Christ of the gospel. Bill, you took them maybe from a negative eight to a negative six. And Bill said, I believe, I believe that God will continue working and bring someone else to take them to a negative four and a negative two, and zero being salvation. So what I want us to know, what I want you to know, is yes, God opens doors and gives us opportunities. And sometimes we think, man, I just, I just blew it. You know, I didn't give a good witness, or I didn't share it. No, you are not alone. There is a God who is with you and is working through and will work after we have gone. I mean, because honestly, it's not about us. It's about what God's doing. And so I believe so many opportunities that we have is really to bring people from like a negative nine to a negative seven or a negative four to a negative two. And then maybe someone else will, will lead them home. And then maybe someone else will grow them from a two to a five. 
we are not alone. God is with you. God's with you in your heart. You have a church family, and God is with you working behind you. Then the last reason we don't share, and honestly, this can be the worst, is disobedience. It's when we disobey God. What do I mean by this? Why do I mean it can be the worst? It's when we know, and this is a lot of us, and I put myself in this camp sometimes. This is when a lot of us know, hey, I have nothing to fear. It's when a lot of us know, hey, my guilt is gone, my sin is gone, it's in the depths of the sea. It's when a lot of us know we're never alone and we still, we still don't obey God. We still don't follow what God wants for our life. We still don't share our faith. We still don't pray for someone. We still don't let somebody know that we're praying for them. We still don't invite someone to church. We disobey what God has called us to do. Why we can? Look at the life of Joseph again. Verse 24 says, Joseph awoke from his sleep and did as the angel of the Lord commanded him and took Mary as his wife. He awoke and he did as he was commanded. He awoke and instead of saying, you know, I'm not going to go there, I'm not going to follow that, I'm not going to obey, he obeyed. He followed God. In my life, there have been like um, several moments where I've, well, many moments where I've disobeyed God. But there came a point in my life where I, I made a conscious choice, I made a big choice that I was going to obey God. And in that obedience, it was going to be becoming a pastor. And just share a little bit about my life. And I, I don't do that a lot, or this a lot, but try to give you some context. You know, for years, you know, I had lived for me. And uh, I lived for me in terms of, like, partying for me. And I also lived for me in, like, success for me. And that there was a ladder for success. And there was a threshold that the world put out there. And I was going to climb that ladder. And I was still going to have as best of, as good of a time as I could while doing it. And that was going to be my life. And, yeah, I had kind of my Christianity down here. And, uh, yes, yeah, sometimes I used it as a stepping stone. Sometimes I used it as a way to get into relationships. And yeah, sometimes I just, uh, I did, you know, I believed it, but I didn't, I didn't live it. And so in this quest for success, um, you know, I worked in different places and worked in Washington, D.C. and made a lot of friends and then made a decision to serve God, but I was still living for me in all honesty. And so I went to seminary at where I thought would be the most prestigious and would help me out the most. And, you know, don't say a lot about this, but it was Harvard. And so I was there, and in the first year, God was doing this tremendous uh, work on me. It was a call, and it was a, it was a massive uh, struggle, honestly, about are you going to obey me or are you going to keep disobeying me? And I made a lot of friends. And all these friends, some of you probably know what I'm talking about here. It's like uh, Harvard was a place where you had so many people, and they really wanted to be president of the United States. If that makes sense. I mean, you had so many ambitious people. And I don't mind ambition. I mean, that's good. But I mean, like, it was such an ambition. Such ambition. And they just, I mean, it was like they want to be king of the world in finance or politics or uh, even in religion or in academia. And just very, very ambitious. And so in my past life, I had varying degrees of, you know, like, good jobs. So I had these friends who they were friends with me because of what I could give them. And then I worked for a guy there who, uh, you know, like, he's been well-known and worked for presidents and you see them on news channels and stuff. So I had this job. So I had all these people who were like my buddies, but they were really only my buddies because what I might be able to get them. 
And then I made a conscious decision to be a pastor. And many of those relationships immediately came to an end. I mean, immediately, in all honesty. And honestly, I I would get feedback like, is this all you're going to do with your life? I mean, is this kind of, you know, the best that you can do? And uh, it was was just a a tough moment for me because I, I like having a lot of friends, you know. And I like, you know, people liking you. I mean, we all do. And then all of a sudden, you know, you don't get invited to parties as much. And then all of a sudden, you don't just get invited out as much. And, you know, it was because, I mean, I knew because I was, I was saying, you know, I've, I've made the decision. I'm going to go into the ministry. I'm going to become a pastor. This is the call of my life. This is what I'm going to do. This is it. Done deal. Now, the good news is, because that sounds like a bad story, and it is. The good news is, is God has worked continually in the last 10 years of my life where some of those old relationships, God has kept on opening a door where I can speak into their life, where I can minister to them. And, and many don't live in the Jackson, Mississippi area, and many of them aren't Christian. But God has used my decision and used those old relationships to keep building and growing his kingdom. And many of those relationships ended. And, you know, that's, that, that is a sacrifice. And maybe God will bring them back one day. But I had to make a choice. Am I going to obey God or am I just going to obey me? And we all, and it's not just being a pastor, we all have to make that choice. Honestly, we make that choice daily. There are opportunities to obey or to disobey. Our world, the world we live on, puts a massive premium on independence. Our God puts a massive premium on obedience, on following him. So what I want us to do, what I want to do more and more, what I want you to do more and more is to obey God in your life, to obey him. When you see those opportunities and you see those doors, to witness, to share for Christ. Why should you? Why should you obey? 1 Timothy 2.4, God wants all people to be saved and come to a knowledge of truth. I love that. God wants all people to be saved, have salvation, but also to come to a knowledge of truth. Truth is that there's salvation in Christ. There's salvation in nothing else. There, there's salvation in nothing else. Again, the person I was talking to earlier this week, I said, you have this massive void, and you have it, you know, in all looks and sense and feel, you've got this successful life, and there's still this massive gap. Knowledge of truth that salvation is in, tr- in Christ. Why else should you obey? Because you have nothing to fear. Your guilt and sin can be at the depths of the sea, and you're never alone. Why else should you obey? Because, and this is what I want you to know, God can use you. Let me say that again. God can use you in great ways. And that's what I want for you. To find purpose and fulfillment and know that, man, the God of the universe, the creator of the universe, is using you, is using you for his glory, for his purposes. We say it over and over again. Anyone, anyone... Anyone can be a leader for Christ. Let me say it in a different way. Anyone can be a bold leader for Christ. Can live in such a way with purpose and meaning and fulfillment. And God can use you. So today I want to invite you simply to obey. Simply to obey. I want to invite you to do what Joseph did today. Joseph awoke from his sleep. Some of you are mired in sleep, awake, and did 
as the angel of the Lord commanded him. Now you could say and you could push back, hey, I didn't have a dream last night where an angel came and talked to me, or hey, I'm not having a vision right now, this angel, you know, talking to me and, you know, no, maybe you didn't. You got something even bigger. You've got the Christ child as a grown man saying this is the great commandment. Love God and love your neighbor. And all of us have that command. If you want to find purpose to your life, start there and obey that command. Start today. Start today and let the Christ child who became our Lord and Savior, who gave his life and who rose from the dead, let him... Wash away all fear in your life, all guilt in your life, all loneliness in your life, and obey Him. Today, now, you can. I believe in you. We believe in you. You can't do that on your own, but you can through Christ. Let Him do it. Let Him change you. Let Him push away all fear. Again, all guilt. Again, all loneliness. And obey Him. Let's pray together. Heavenly Father, I thank You because You are good. I thank You because You don't make promises to us that that leave voids in our life. And Your promise is, is that if we do obey You, You are going to bring fulfillment to our life. Dear Lord, I pray for the people that are gathered here because... I know there's still voids. I know there's still unfulfillment. I know there's still guilt. I know there's still fear. And I know there is still loneliness. And may today, whether sitting in their seats, whether coming to the altar, whether standing in worship, they will allow, they will accept that Jesus Christ can wash that away. And they can be made new and whole. And that their sin is at the very depths dead in the sea. And the only time that it is even brought up is that when you use it for your glory and your kingdom. May we all know that. May we walk out of here new people in Christ. May we walk out of here with the ability to share in love, in prayer, in invitation for your kingdom. Amen. As I said in the prayer. This is a time of response. You can respond in your seat. You can respond at the altar. You can respond singing in worship. But we call you to respond in some way because Jesus is calling you to obey Him. Will you?